Welcome to We Are Live special edition. Chris Emmon, Travis Terrell, live from Midco Studio. Very, very excited to have a special guest who's in town all weekend at the St. Louis Funny Bone. He's a master <laughs> of camera angles, comedy, acting, sketch performance. Tim Meadows, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. I can tell much. you're uh, you're pretty jazzed. We've got a two and a half hour conversation. Let's get deep. <laughs> I brought my guitar. So. <laughs> Did you really? Uh, no, I didn't bring it. I could, though. I'm a little bit upset with that. Mr. Meadows, how's your morning been in St. Louis? You're going to crush a weekend at uh, St. Louis Funny Bone. I know people get really excited whenever you come in town uh, in regards to jumping into just literally being in the same room with you, being able to perform for these people. What's it like coming back into St. Louis and uh, I guess just getting in front of these people that have followed you for your entire career. And they, I feel like when you go to a Tim Meadows show, people are going to be almost passing out. Like it, 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 it's a big deal you for people like to meet Beatles you. Yes. Something? Yes. <laughs> yes. Metal mania is what I call it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> no, uh, no, it is. It's a big deal whenever you come through, man. Well, it's, thank it's you. Exciting. I don't know if it's that exciting, but <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Okay. I think the waiters and, and the waitresses at the club, are happy to have me there. Uh huh. Um, I don't think anybody's like overly excited. I'm not even that thrilled. <laughs> I can't it. tell. <laughs> now that I think about it, I wish I wasn't here. <laughs> uh -huh. That's fair. It's it's extremely no, fair. It's nice coming back. I, you know, I mean, I don't. I I I also hope like new people are coming to the show right. this mm -hmm. time around. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, I do some of the same jokes but i got new stuff also sure so and it's also every show is sort of different because i talk to the audience and improvise a little bit too that's a nice part about somebody with your skill set whenever you're talking about doing stand-up travis mm -hmm. he can he can just literally work in an entire 10 minute bit because you you have those skills I can talk for 10 minutes. I don't know how this will be funny or not. <laughs> I hope eventually something funny will come out of it, but there's no guarantee. And I always tell the audience, too, that this is not, you know, this isn't prepared stuff, especially when something bombs and I'm just talking. <laughs> you bail immediately? I, I, yeah. If it's, I, I, I can tell if I got somewhere to go. Yeah. Like if I, I, I know if I'm angry about something, then I'll talk about it and it'll, we'll find something in the anger. But if I'm like, um, I have to be mocking something in a way in order to like right. make it funny. I don't know. Cause sometimes it'll get, you know, I'll get serious and I'll just be, I'll state facts about things and, but nobody cares about facts. <laughs> we didn't come to see, we didn't come thing. to learn something. <laughs> Those are the most damning things at time though. Yeah. How are you finding time to do this? Of course, with the show, uh, do you find time Schooled. in between? You can see that on ABC. Yeah. Are you yeah. finding time in between to, to actually write or is it just, and things that come to you that you just normally just see around you. It's it's both. It's okay. not ha what I do usually is jot down ideas, okay. and then when I'm performing, I tr I'll I'll go through notes that I have before, before the show. Okay, and then I'll I'll say, okay, I got to try to remember to talk about this thing because it sort of relates to something that I'm already talking about. Right. And then I have to figure out a transition, but I always think, oh, I'll think of it when I'm doing it, you know? <laughs> that's, that's ballsy. Yeah. That's, an that's, a, that's an improviser's brain at work, people. But that's pretty ballsy. It was, uh, and, and it works if I, you know, uh, Colin Quinn gave me good advice because he was telling, he told me once, like, if I get really, I told him I was bored doing the material because I had a set and I right. was doing it. And then he said, start adding new things 
and then but just like one new joke and then you have that thing to look forward to every show right and so i started playing with that where i'm like i'd go okay i have this thing i want to talk about you know like i or i don't i don't want to give away material right don't do that because i might i may do it tonight (laughs) okay (laughs) but um yeah, there's been times where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this thing, and then I'm going to lead into something else. Like, once I, ha- I had this idea for which I, something that I thought was funny, which is the idea of a award show that is for people who make trophies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need you to flush this out, please. Yes. Well, you have an award show, and then it's for people who make actual trophies. So it's okay. the trophy award show. You have Charles Trophy. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's yes. like the guy who created the bowling trophy is mm-hmm. up against some, the guy who made the plaque for... <laughs> Karate tournament. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who's also against going against the guy who created the Oscar, you know. Mm. So it's like... The, does, does he have a little bit of an attitude, Oscar creator guy? I, I would think so, yeah. I would think that he would think he's going to win every year. But <laughs> this year it was an upset. Yeah. Like the guy who made the bowling trophy won this year. <laughs> What about the guy who just puts like a fist on all? You know that one? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You're, I mean, he's like, but it's functional. And then you explain to him, he's like, but whenever you're handing it to the best pie, like it doesn't work. Like I could yeah. see that being an issue. Not everybody throws their fist in the air <laughs> when right? they win a, a pie eating contest. Tim Some Meadows. people throw up. Thank you. Yeah. I needed I needed to hear that in my trophy making uh, discussion. But the trophy awards was an idea that I had that I was like. I, I wonder if I can fit it because I don't know what the joke is and I still don't. Right. I just know you explaining just... the joke <laughs> is funny. Will you? You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's see. Opener, 10 minutes. Feature, we'll go 20. So at 8.04 p.m. tonight at the Funny Bone in Westport, do you think you'll know? I, Word ahead? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be doing that in the show. But, but you, you, are, you are a talent that does it have to be on the road you don't have to continue to do stand up but you have made a point <laughs> i've been checking don't don't Mr. scratch Meadows his scab off dude like maybe he's got to tax that but yeah know. but you you've had a successful acting career especially of recent so mm. but so what's pushing you to get back on the road to try this material i like doing it i enjoy having an outlet for additional gripes mm. or thoughts mm-hmm. so it's some it's in um and in some of the shows, I'm already obligated to do because right. I said I would do them. <laughs> so I can't pull out. Like, oh, yeah, I did. I did say yes to that six months ago. Oh, yeah, St. Louis. I'll be there. <laughs> Come down here. He's from Michigan, acting like he's too good to be walking around St. Louis. No, Man. it's great being here. It is. I'm happy to be here. You guys are well fed. You have great food. Like, yeah. No, but honestly, I was uh, – I was, sort of winding down the stand-up touring mm. for the year. Right. So I've only been doing like two shows a month, two weekends a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wanted to take a little time off this summer because I wanted to actually sit down and put my act out on the table and then go through notes that I have okay. and listen to the tapes of shows that I've done and then actually sit down and like, you know, move things around and try to make... I want to take all of the... Things that I love doing that are funny, I want to keep them in, and I want to take all of the stuff that I'm tired of doing out. Right. So I need to make right new transitions to get around the 
some of this. Is stuff. that in preparation for a special pitch? No, I think it's more in preparation of doing more shows later this year, okay. like in this in the winter, you know, or, or in January, right. to just sort of have like a nice whole new rundown of things, so that it's I know what I'm doing, but it's also kind of fresh because I'm sort of like, oh, this thing comes after this now, so right. I can, you know. So with your experience in multi-level of uh, just performing arts in your, I guess, tool belt, does the TV show, I realize you film and then it comes out later, whatever else, mm -hmm. is acting at this point on Schooled or the Goldbergs or anything else, is that more, do you coast more with acting and then stand up is more <laughs> flexing muscles that you have you, you have to keep in shape i'm serious because yeah. you're you're a tenured guy with a ton of great unbelievable credits right. so at, the, at that point i mean you have to keep up with brian Callen squawking all over the place you've got the great uh, wendy mcclendon covey to stand up to so you want to look good next to those other right. very talented actors um but i just i do wonder if it's Am are I you so still learning sweet. acting all the time no you are i you know well, one thing is that the material is always new every week. Yeah, that's true. So you've got to, you have to sort of do the homework and find out, you know, not only just learning the lines, but I always say to them when I don't understand something, why am I saying this? You right. know, what does this mean? Right. So it's, there's, there's that. So there is preparation in this work. So I'm not, I can't really coast at all mm -hmm. on the shows. Um, and I've, I've always, I've never really coasted cause I, I'm always nervous about it, you know? Right. So there's no way I can just like go, oh, okay, I'm going to go do these lines right. or I'm going to go and stand on stage and just talk for 45 minutes. Right. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like nervous backstage and I'm, or, or before they say action. Right. You know? So it's still, yeah, I, I don't. I think I'd be able to coast if I was producing it. It was my money, you know, and it was right. my I, it was <laughs> right. my project. <laughs> right. Then I'd be like, yeah, it, you know, it'd be like, uh, Mr. Meadows is gonna be 15 minutes late again. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a lot of that. Now, what do you think? Yes. Of, what do you think about folks that haven't made it to that level that are chronically that are 15 late. minutes late? Yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Here's what I think. Are <laughs> <laughs> we talking oh. about people with this? <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically you get speaking. Two, you get two guesses, Tim. Well, <laughs> here's one thing I think. I think, you know, people have been talking about reparations and that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think that one, like, our reparations should be a number of things that we're given. Yes. And one thing is that black people should always be allowed to be 15 minutes late. <laughs> As part of our reparations, yes. and white people can never comment on yes. it. Yes. So we walk into the room 15 minutes later at the board meeting, and you go, "Yeah, what's up, guys?" Everybody's just looking at you. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's right. Mr. Meadows, 15 please. minutes late again. You can't do anything. I'll be honest. Uh, I didn't see that uh, comment going uh, well, against uh, me. Huh. That's uh say, Kamala and, Harris is out here on the stunt uh -huh. speech. She, she's pushing that. I'll, she may get my vote. I'll be honest too, Tim, that was very eloquently put, but you didn't have to kick me in the shin as you were saying <laughs> reparations. It was a little strange. I, I do I do want to go back though, because I think uh, one of the greatest characters ever, of course, is Ladies Man. And I but I wanna go back to the in the room. I wanna go to when you're in the SNL room when you're pitching that. Mm -hmm. One, what was the inspiration for that character mm -hmm. and how did it go over in the room when you're first introducing that character? The 
the the inspiration for the character was like a number of things, <laughs> and one was uh, guys. I worked at a liquor store in Detroit when I was growing, like I was 16, 17 years old, and so every I would see these guys who would come in, and they worked at a, a meat packing plant, and they would come in on Monday through fr- Thursday, white. Um, schmock covered with blood <laughs> you know uh, hair in a hair right. a hair net and they would you know get buy a beer on Friday they come in cash their check dress nicely yeah. <laughs> okay. get their check cash buy a bottle of Cavassier oh okay and I used to always think those were the coolest guys <laughs> Because the rest part of the week, they look like uh, butchers. Right, right. <laughs> Friday, Friday, whole, Friday, whole butchering something else dude. on the weekend, man. You know and, yeah. And so that that sort of lifestyle, as I imagined it, was what I would think of when I thought of the ladies' man. The voice came from doing prank phone calls. Okay. And I would change my voice up to call radio stations and, like, ask like very specific questions about <laughs> politics and you know things that are going on in our city for instance i was at this uh the city hall meeting uh alderman uh smith uh are you still there yes caller yes please yeah, go listen, ahead and, yes. uh, alderman was, smith i was very disturbed not by the topic of the uh well, what disturbed the, you well what disturbed me was the refreshments that they, they had available to the <laughs> people in the city well they had sprite diet no, coke what sprite did you and also donuts which i think is a bad combination <laughs> I'm going to hang up now and listen to you answer my call uh, on the thank radio. You, thank you, caller. Uh, so I would do stuff like that. <laughs> and so one year I told two of my buddies on the show about it, who are writers, Andrew Steele and Dennis McNicholas. Okay. And I said I pulled this prank phone call this summer, and it was really funny, and I was telling them about it. And they go, how did you do it? And I go, I, I do this voice, and they talk like this a little bit, you know. And then they were, like, watching me, and they were just – and I go – you know, if you guys have ideas for this thing, you can, I'll, we can maybe talk about it. So I left their office. I went and literally I sat down in my chair in my office, which was like two doors away. Right. Turned on my television. And then I hear. And then I was like, yes, yeah, Andrew and Dennis at the door. And they go, don't tell anybody else about that character, that voice. We got an idea for you. <laughs> okay. It's a guy who has a love radio calling show. And people call in and ask for advice, but his advice is like what a pimp would advise people. Somebody. That is brilliant. That is, but <laughs> but, but a, a sweet pimp, but but a lovable guy. A lovable pimp. <laughs> I don't even think they said pimp. Just the guy had like his 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 thing, his suggestions were bad and would be like a guy from the street giving bad love advice, you know, okay. based on his lifestyle, you know. And they told me that, and and then. It was, that was it, basically. They they came up with the idea for the radio call-in show, the stuff that he did. Right. And then I, as we did the, as we wrote it and started thinking about it, and when we were writing, we would sit in their office, and I would like sit on the floor or lay on the couch, and then they would go, "Ladies, man, what um, what would you do on a first date?" And I would just improvise. That's awesome. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I'm gonna pick. And then they would just tape it and write, and then we would. The first time, anyways, that and several times after that, and they would write it, and just take all of the stuff that we talked about, and then like two in the morning they would give me a copy of the of what they 
condensed and questioned and they will come up with some kind of through line or whatever. It's Valentine's Day. Right. Blah, blah, blah. That, that, that time frame you just gave us, the two in the morning, writer's room, Saturday Night Live, even just the table reads, whatever was happening. Mm-hmm. How do you focus? And again, you, you had a, a long tenure on there. So I imagine at the beginning of your tenure, quite a bit different than when you were leaving as far as your, your work habits and how you interacted with uh, uh, co-workers and others mm-hmm. we've heard people we've had several we've been so lucky to have several snl cast members on you hear some of these things wildest thing or wildest i guess it doesn't even have to be one incident wildest part of being in that super famous room behind closed doors wildest part Wild, just the the thing that maybe you would look back on now and be like i can't believe i was part of that on a regular basis is it after parties is it how people just, I mean, if you're working 36 hours straight, like what, is there anything ridiculous that came from that writer's room or just being behind the scenes working on Saturday Night Live? Well, I mean, there was moments, and I mean, some of them had already been sort of documented, you know, sure. but where, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to get to give you a definite. It's not a super get, specific question. Well, yeah. I mean, like wild things that, like, Chris Farley would do something insane. Like, <laughs> like I was there when he stuck a broom handle in his butt and wag, wank, like moved around as if it was a tail. You know, a, I didn't. I didn't think. <laughs> by the way, everyone. And by the way, Jay every Moore. SNL. Yeah, Jay Moore, Every SNL person we have on here has a Chris Farley and ass story, yeah, which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think really, like it only happened once, and we. It was just in front of everybody. I seriously. I, <laughs> wow. Because I, I don't ever remember him doing that. And I knew him for a long time. Right. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, I mean, that's that was like the wild thing. Where, I mean, one thing where I was like, this is insane. But that but there's been moments, too, where like the, the first time I saw a sketch that was mine, I saw it produced and realized, you know what I mean? That right. was like a big thing. It right. was like, holy cow, I thought of this on Monday and now Friday, it's an actual thing, right. you know. Uh, and one of my favorite mo- uh, memories was uh, I wrote the sketch. My first sketch that I got on was called Cyrano de Bergerac, and it was with uh, Alec Baldwin and and Jan Hooks and myself. Oh wow! And um, I, the, the joke of the sketch was it was a Cyrano. Except I was Cyrano, but my nose wasn't long, it was wide. It was like a long, <laughs> big, fat African nose. And it was the first time I got Lauren Michaels to laugh, belly laugh, at the idea when he was reading it. And also um, Jim Downey, who was the head writer. The two of them sat next to each other, and they were both laughing and looking at each other like, can you believe this shit? <laughs> like he actually he came through. We're not going to fire That's him. That's awesome. What a great. <laughs> and so, but the first time I got that on, it was Thursday. Mike Myers, I'm name dropping, but Mike Myers Please. came by, knocked on my door in my office, and he was like, Have you been down to see your set yet? And I went, No. And he goes, Come on. I want to be with you when you see oh, your that's, set. Oh, that's amazing. For the first time. And so he took me down to the studio in, in the corner. It was just this like, balcony with like i fake ivy it's like being in a paris like you know garden apartment or something with a with a balcony and a lower part and mike was just like looking at me like you thought of that (laughs) didn't you (laughs) 
And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Could you think of a better person to have you show? Like, look what you've done. Yeah. You're Mike Myers. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. What, what is it? I mean, I would imagine, as you just mentioned, being able to come up with the concept on Monday and have it eventually air on Saturday. Is that what creates the, I guess, the work ethic in a lot of the SNL players once they leave? Because you're in that routine constantly and you're forced to come up with something creative almost on the spot to be aired in five days. Do you guys ultimately take that and apply it to everything else you do once you leave? Because it, it, it feels pretty evident because you guys are always working. Yeah. Uh, it's different when you, well, one thing, one point I would make is that the, it's the best first job to have in show business mm. because you, you write, produce, act, sort of direct all of your pieces. Wow. And so if you, if, like I said, I'd never worked in television, so it was all a learning curve because mm -hmm. I'd never done any of it. And so, but you don't get that opportunity if your first job is Friends. Or, right. You know what I mean? Right, or right. a sitcom. Because you you're, you're hired as an actor, you get the script, you learn your lines, you block it. You might find something funny to improvise on the set while you're rehearsing. Right. But it's it's somebody else's thing. And so having SNL as your first job, you sort of learn everything you need to learn about <laughs> TV production in the beginning. Mm. And then you move on to work for other people and do other jobs. But you already know things that other people are just learning as they are going on. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. Does that give you an advantage when you work with somebody like Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm because it's a unique show that's, I mean, if you had somebody that wasn't comfortable with a weird process, I say weird process, mm -hmm. it feels like it's a weird process mm -hmm. as compared to other shows, does that give you an advantage even there in, th in that situation? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, if I use SNL and Second City as like my sort of, this is, these are the things that I, I know and have learned from, you sort of learn to adapt to whatever the situation is. So, you know, working with Larry David was, wasn't hard for, for me because it's not scripted. So they can't, I, in my opinion, they can't blame you if you screw up, right? You know, because you you didn't tell me what to, I'm saying. Is that a worry? I'm, right. Well, it's a worry if it's scripted. Sure. You know, people want you to do the lines as exactly. the, as it's written. Right. But like with Larry David, that it's is improvised. They give you the idea. They tell you what the scene is about, but then they watch you block it and improvise it, and then they figure out the camera angles and everything. And then he'll tell you like, "Oh, don't say this," or. Do, because it's it's something that's going to happen later, or I don't want you to say it for whatever reason. Right. Um, yeah. We were coming up, and I'm going to ask this because of our producer, and we won't keep it too much longer. But I, I know we uh, we have the 25 year anniversary of OJ mm. coming up, and I'm curious: uh, Are you considering returning at any point to <laughs> SNL to uh, bring back OJ Simpson? Would you like to do that? I had a desire to I freak that character. I had no idea that it was even that <laughs> anniversary. Cato Kalen was in here last week. Wow, really? <laughs> really what? It's just so weird. It's all of it. It's still, like, all of it is still <laughs> so weird. Tim, what's happening? <laughs> no, Marsha Clark has a TV show. Yes, it's still. The Kardashians are a thing, Tim. Oh. 
<laughs> I, I, it's crazy. <laughs> Marsha Clark's show is about, it's like her fantasy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, like, I didn't catch him the first time. <laughs> <my> first time. <laughs> but if he does it again, <laughs> here's how it's going to go down. And I'll be the hero. <laughs> Wow, it's crazy, man. <laughs> I don't even. I wanted to ask him about the office, and you're gonna. We we, we have to let him walk off of that. Oh, he just, just killed the crowd, man. <laughs> My gosh, I want to remind everybody: go to Funny Bone this weekend. Pack the house for Tim Meadows. It'll be a great time. It's in Westport. You can get tickets online. Funny Bone, go see him. It'll be a great time. The episode of the Office you did, Travis mm-hmm. and I probably recited it to each other 740. We. It, it, in the uh, in the pantheon of one-time appearances on the office, yours sticks out so strongly. Mm. And it's it, is that strange? You that like I, I don't know if we're just uh, freaks for the office or what, but I don't know. Mm. I really enjoyed you and Steve Carell, and Thanks. we've had and we've we've had people from the office on, and and you were like, oh man, that was improvised. Like no, it was written, mm-hmm. and they just performed that. But even your situation there was that was that scripted, uh, sitting in the <laughs> in the chilies with uh, Michael Scott. It was scripted. I think the only thing we sort of improvised was me joining in with the song. The See, baby I, I'm burping for my water. <laughs> um, was me joining in with the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but there there were takes where Greg Daniels told us to improvise, but like it's so well written, you don't right. even really want to. Right. And I think even <laughs> I remember improvising. And then it being something that was so crazy that they were just like, no, let's just go back to Because <laughs> it was a thing about me. I, I remember it was like me and Michael were sort of relating to each other. And then <laughs> I'm giving away information about my my past. And so one of the takes I improvised that I had, because uh, my character is very sedated. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I said that uh, when, well, when I was young, um, my mother was diabetic and she lost a leg. And in order to cheer her up, I used to do comedy routines. And uh, and then, you know, they were supposed to be just be listening, you know. And they were like, you know what, let's go back to the original stuff. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Well, I kind of thought that was funny. but Tim has to get going on his press tour around St. Louis. In one sentence, can you give advice to my friend who starts writing for Sesame Street Fellowship in May? For a young man jumping into Sesame Street for writing, for anything, do you have a sentence that you could impart any wisdom on him? Oh, with? boy. Um, Heading to New York for the first time, hanging around a bunch of puppets. He's not a professional writer, but he could be. I would say trust, going, trust your inspiration. Like things, when you get ideas okay. that you go, oh, man. Okay. Those are always good ideas. Okay. And the ones that you don't, that don't give you you know, a, a feeling of that it could be great work on those. Okay. You know what I mean? No, I absolutely understand yeah. that. Absolutely. Tim yeah. Meadows. What a, that's awesome. What a great time. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you so, so much, much for, for coming doing in. This. Really appreciate yeah, it. Go to the Funny welcome. Bone this weekend. Tim, thank you. Appreciate it, man. All right.